HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love. All for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I would love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. This year is Heritage Radio Network's 10th anniversary. Since 2009, we've been bringing you food-related podcasts from a shipping container behind Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and become a member today. I had the pleasure of having Carlisle Watt, baker, father, and musician, join me in my apartment recently for a chat. Give it a listen and then go to Alaska, or at least bake some bread. Hope you enjoy. So, all right, so we were talking about... um, So your event last night... Yes. Yeah. Uh, It was uh, for the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute... Um, a lot of media folks there, and um, we, we just basically fed them a ton of, of good fish. Uh, there was a raw bar with um, king crab and uh, oysters from Catchmack Bay. Now I'm even more sad that I missed it. It was so good, man. <laughs> um, after the event, um, people were kind of fizzling out. Jeremy goes and grabs the display king crab, and then like eight of us just sit there 
brutally <laughs> ripping it open and just you know barbarian style just you know eating we you know I mean like king crab like you can, you can just eat handfuls of it yeah and it's so good yeah it's such a luxury amazing um, but we did a dish and demoed a dish um, based on halibut Olympia halibut Olympia is uh, is found in all like the, the, the first Alaska cookbooks from the 50s um, because it it included uh, the shelf stable mayonnaise a lot of people didn't have refrigeration uh-huh. so they had mayonnaise um, and since then it's 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 morphed into kind of what it is now but essentially you take a casserole dish um, you just take some chopped up onions toss them in butter that goes on the bottom put in a big hunk of halibut on top and then a mixture of mayonnaise and sour cream covers the entire halibut, crumbled up Ritz crackers all over the top. Sounds delicious. Throw it in your oven. <laughs> it is absolutely out of this world. It's the my favorite way to have halibut. My family eats it like two or three times a month. And um, my kids eat it. My my food snob friends will eat it <laughs> and love right. it. You know, um, so I love taking things like that and then putting them into... Uh, buttery pastry because oh, yeah. fish and butter and pastry is just epic together. So we did a, a Danish last night that had the the filling was the buttered onions, then the halibut goes on top, and then the mixture of mayonnaise and sour cream and a little bit of parmesan goes on top of that. Um, bake the whole thing in the oven together, like right as the pastry is done, the fish gets done magically. Um, and the mayonnaise and sour cream keep everything really nice and moist and, uh, and flavorful and rich. Awesome. Well, uh, my guest today on Feast Your Ears is Carlisle Watt. Uh, Carlisle is here all the way from Alaska, uh, sitting down with me in New York. He is the head baker of Fire Island Rustic Bake Shop in Anchorage. And thanks, Carlisle. It's awesome to get a chance to sit down with you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a long way to come from Alaska. No, not that bad. <laughs> Relatively pretty close. <laughs> but you're not from Alaska, right? You're from South Carolina? From South Carolina, yeah. Uh, where in South Carolina did you grow up? Denmark, South Carolina. There's Denmark, Norway, Finland, Sweden all together. And the combined population of those four towns is like maybe 5,000 people. Wow. And are they named because of people who came from Scandinavia? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's a Paris, Maine. There's yeah. a China, Maine. Totally. Right. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. So what led you to Alaska? I mean, you probably couldn't get any further away from right. South Carolina in the United States than Alaska. No. Um, I didn't mean to, to go there. Um, I went to uh, culinary school in Northern California. Um, and so you were working your way, sort of west yeah. and north. Yeah. I, I got an undergrad <laughs> at uh, University of Mississippi. All right. And spent some time there cooking and... Um, back to South Carolina, up to Northern California. Um, and then I was trying to find a personal chef job. And the economy was not doing well. This was like 2007, 2008. Sure. Um, people were getting rid of their chefs and so right. they hired new yeah. ones. And um, eventually I just went on Anchorage, Alaska, Craigslist. Huh. And and there was a job advertised. <laughs> Somebody wanted a chef for their family. And I... Uh, I applied. They started with like 50 applicants because like everybody was like, I need a job. Um, And they whittled it down to 10 and we had to like write essays. And then they flew three of us up there to to like do a... Like Top Chef style. Yeah. I mean, not together. It was like we were all separated by a few days. Um, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense if you're hiring someone to cook for your family. 
you have to meet them. Right. You got to eat their food. Exactly. Right? They have kids. You yeah. know, they want to trust you. Um, but in my when I was cooking for them, I was I was making an asparagus soup, and was, I had to make really healthy food for them. They wanted to help lose weight, um, and yeah, I was nervous. Uh, I threw in the hot soup into the Vitamix, and didn't take the lid off. Cranked it on, <laughs> and shot green soup <laughs> everywhere, like into their living room with their white carpet, uh, all over the kitchen. And I was just, I was like, that's it. Like you, you, you're done, Carlisle. You'll never work for these people. <laughs> but I ended up getting the job somehow, and I got in my truck. I flew back down to. Um, California and loaded up my truck and my kayak on top and drove up through Canada and three nice. and a half days later it was in Anchorage. Awesome. And you've been there ever since? Yeah, I was planning to do that for like a year. I was like, I'll go live in Alaska for one year. Yeah. And then it's been 10. Awesome. And so what, I mean, can you distill down, like, what is it about Alaska that you love so much that kept you there? Um, the people. I'm not like an extreme adventure um, is you know I, I like to camp and I like to hike and stuff like that and it's incredible for that I mean it's it just blew me away when I first got there but uh, the people are just so warm and welcoming and friendly um, uh, you know you have to kind of band together sure to get through the winter you have to yeah. go to your friend's house and have potlucks and right and like that's um, people um, they they share the bounty with you you know they. Right. Somebody might have gotten a caribou, and um, um, I caught a bunch of salmon uh, in the summer. And, and yeah, I was checking just, out your Instagram. You've got some great pictures of fish on there. Yeah, totally. And I fished like maybe three days out of the entire year. Sure, but you get to fish. I and mean, I, I can't tell you the, the last time I went fishing. I mean, <laughs> you know, like I have a friend in Jersey who goes out tuna fishing and mm-hmm. uh, for mahi mahi and stuff, and he brings me fish. So I have a lot of fresh fish. And I actually have a a friend here in Brooklyn who's been on this show, who's been on Feast Your Ears, Christopher Nicholson, whose family fishes in Bristol Bay every year. And so he grew up awesome. going out there to fish salmon. And so, and now they run a, a CSA um, in Brooklyn, and his cousin does it in Seattle. And so they go out, but they go out every summer, and now he takes his kids, mm-hmm. and they ship a container of stuff out there. I mean, you know, it's not... I mean, one of the things that I'm fascinated about having never been to Alaska, it's one of two states I've never visited, is how big it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the size of, like, most of the rest of the country, right? Right. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking, you know, to, to drive to to Fairbanks from, from Anchorage is a good six-hour drive. Right. I mean, I was looking actually because I, I was looking. At, I wasn't super clear on the geography, so I was looking at how far Anchorage is from Bristol Bay, where my friends go. And I was looking at the map, and I clicked on like you know Google Maps directions, and like you can't you can't get no. between those two places. Like yeah. you can fly, and there's a flight every day. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. It's like it's a one hour flight, so it would be equivalent to like if you couldn't get from New York to Boston. Yeah. In distance except by flying. Right. And then throw in the weather that cancels, you know, a quarter of the flights. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you worked for a family up there uh, mm-hmm. doing the private chef thing. Were you always a baker? Um, no. When I went to culinary school and I worked in restaurants on the line for for 10, ten years or so before culinary school. And I went there to try and get out of that lifestyle. I really wasn't enjoying it. Um, and I figured I need to get a job at a bakery so I can get, I can learn how to make bread. Um, I'm not going to pay for, 
pastry school on top of culinary school. So um, I ended up getting a job as the night baker for the like the restaurant within the school. Got it. Um, and uh, so I'd go to class from like noon to eight, and then uh, from like eight thirty to you know two thirty or four thirty in the morning, I would bake bread for the restaurant, and then go sleep you know as much as possible, and then go back to school. <laughs> Intense schedule. I mean, I you know I feel like bakers always are kind of like a very like. It's an interesting schedule. I remember being in college and thinking that my personal ideal schedule that I never managed to implement would be to sleep twice a day from four to eight mm-hmm. on both sides. Interesting. So like, you know, catch your sleep in the morning, but you still get to be up kind of early mm-hmm. and then be able to be up really late at night yeah. on the other side of things. And that's when I was really, I was doing a lot more music stuff. And you're also a musician. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, uh, I mean, tell me about your band, Super Saturated Sugar Strings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How did that, now, was, were you always in, in bands and were you a musician before? No, you know, right before I moved up to Alaska, um, I had just started, like, getting out and doing open mics, like, in California, um, and I had just started singing. I'd never sang before. I'd always play guitar and play drums, um, but I needed uh, an easier way to, like, get out there and, like, get in front of people and play. So, um, you know, in, in, in college, I played drums for some, like, blues bands, but um, but when we moved to Alaska, I just, when I moved to Alaska, I just started the whole open mic thing again, and because the people are so great, and uh, the scene is just so wonderful up there, um, I quickly made a lot of friends at, um, like, the Bluegrass Jams, or um, the Blues Jams that were going on in town, and from there, we we formed our band. Um, the, uh, our, our cellist was, um, a friend of a friend who said, you know, you guys should get together and play music. And she, uh, walked into my little basement apartment. She, you know, had a cello strapped on her back. She had a pizza in one hand, a six pack of beer in her other hand. And now <laughs> she's my wife and the mother of my <laughs> children. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we so are, started you guys, out. are you both in the band together? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah, do not recommend uh, being in a band with your spouse because, and then having kids, because you have sure. no one, you know, like if she were in the band, she could dump the kids on me and go like have the time of her life. You know, we have to go find a babysitter for sound check and then we have to find another sitter for like right. the show. And yeah. um, she's got to like nurse the baby, run to sound check, run back home, nurse her again, get her to bed shoot back to the venue for the gig, uh, hope that she doesn't wake up and cry and get stressed out right. while we're there, and then shoot back home and to, to, you know, take care of the baby while I pack everything up right. and get everything loaded up. <laughs> so it's, it's intense, man. And, well, and, I mean, I, you know, I, I expect as your kids get older, you'll bring them on the road. Right, I we mean, we do bring them on the road. That's currently. That, um, I mean, that, I mean, you know, I've I've done some road trips with my kids. I mean, not playing music at the same time, but I love it. I mean, I love that experience, and I think it's a really cool one for your kids to have mm-hmm. to get to do that kind of traveling. Because I feel like a lot of people, at least my peers, I sometimes feel like people become sort of almost too sedentary when they have kids. And I'm like, no, no, you got to get out. Right. You got to bring them with you. Like this is part of their formative like time. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, we drove everywhere. Yeah. We, um, we, we find it's almost easier to be on the road with them because we just rent a giant RV, uh, that the whole band gets in and we, and we have six other people 
that are helping us out with the kids the sure. entire time. So right, like, and they probably that. love it. And the kids now have this relationship with other adults. Right. And I don't have to get up and go to work first thing in the morning. Um, I get to hang out with my kids all day. And then, you know, they go to bed and we go to the to play the show that night. Right. And, um, yeah, we get to stop and, like, run around parks. And it's awesome. That's very good. So, I mean, I've toured in the, in the lower 48. Um, I've done... A couple of like shorter like out and back things when my book vinegar revival came out we did a family road trip cool. that was also we went to see the eclipse in kentucky so that trip was from new york like down through you know down to north carolina we didn't get to south carolina on that trip and then over to kentucky and then back up and up to maine um and i've driven the whole country kind of around um and i've driven cross country a couple of times but what is touring like in Alaska? I mean, like, you know, when you're touring in the States, it's like five or six hours and then you're in like another big city and then you're right. in LA and like, I mean, Anchorage, Anchorage is not a small city, right? It's almost 300,000 people. Yeah. But that's, that's the city. That's the city. In Alaska. So where else are you touring to? And like, what is that life on the road like? Like, how far are you driving? Well, in Alaska, we typically just do like weekend shows. Got it. And, um, the pay is, is way better in Alaska than it is anywhere else. Fascinating. Yeah, so we can we can make you know good money there playing on the weekends or um, just doing little one off shows here and there. That's amazing. Um, and we don't usually drive more than like two or three hours to a Got show. Um, every now and then there's um, a five hour drive down to Homer, Alaska. Um, but um, you know we we'll, we'll bank up some money in Alaska and then we'll we'll blow it all on, on plane tickets and, and RV rentals. Um, our typical like target market is Washington, Oregon, yeah. and then we're going to be in um, in Wyoming and Montana uh, this fall. Cool. So very cool. Wow, that's so interesting that the way the economics work out. I guess it's because people are so much more willing to go out to shows, mm-hmm. right? Because there are fewer happening. Is that sort of how it works out in Alaska? Um, there's a lot of music actually. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a really good variety of music. It's just people really dig going out and having fun and getting that social time. Um, especially, you know, in the summer, people are just working around the clock. There's a lot of seasonal workers up there. They're they're guiding people. They're they're out all day. And then when they have the chance to go blow off some steam, like sure, they really go hard. And the sun's up all 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 night, pretty oh, much. Yeah, sure. So it's just like, <laughs> go, man, go do it while you can. That's um, awesome. I mean, I definitely, you know, New York is great for the opportunity we have here. And when I was in my 20s, I would see seven, eight, nine shows a week. I mean, some wow. nights I'd go to two, see two bands, three bands, you know, in different places around the city. Yeah. And it was awesome. But as I got older and had kids, obviously, you know, it's hard to go out. Mm-hmm. And it also sometimes is a little overwhelming. It's like there's too many options. It's like, well, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this other thing. Or I could read to my daughter right like and oh so, my god this sounds awesome like I can read to my daughter and maybe pass out with her in her bed totally yeah go to yeah. bed at 10 o'clock perfect <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cart Driver Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas fresh oysters seasonal market plates cocktails and conversation tucked in a 640 square foot shipping container space in the heart of Denver's Rhino neighborhood Cart Driver is the perfect place to stop in for an Italian-style spritz, Prosecco on tap, and a wide variety of tinned fish. Open for lunch, dinner, community hour, and late nights seven days a week, Cart Driver is here for you with fresh, domestically sourced ingredients, and above all, hospitality. Learn more at cart-driver.com. So what is your, like, what's your schedule like at the bakery? 
Um, I'm really fortunate at the bakery to um, to to be able to just kind of come and go as I need to, as my family is it the demands are you know are needed. Um, so I typically try and go in around seven or eight. Uh, we now have three shops, so oh, wow. my my role has become this kind of bounce around. Got it. I try to hit up every shop and just put out fires, do some training, um, just make sure everything is up to par. I mean, and is that no? You know, no. I don't like. What is the what has the bakery sort of scene been like in Alaska over like the last ten years? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we grew. I grew up north of New York City. We would go to Maine in the summer. My parent, you know, my parents bought a cabin up there, mm-hmm. and we'd drive eight nine hours up to Maine. And my mom's big complaint was that the bread was terrible. Mm. Back in the eighties, she was like, well, "I can only get like white bread. It's horrible." Right. And I feel like that was true in lots of places where you didn't have like a European influence in this country. Um, but now I feel like we're living in this incredible time where like even if there's not like amazing, like naturally leavened bread, there's pretty good bread yeah. available. Like you're not, it's not like Wonder Bread only. Right. Just about anywhere. The the story of the bakery is really cool. Um, and it's, we just had our 10 year anniversary. Um, the owners, um, Jerry and Janice, uh, Jerry was the state parks director, Alaska state parks director. Janice was a high school principal, and uh, Jerry built himself a wood-fired oven on his porch um, and started baking bread, and it became a habit. The neighbors were, were, were constantly asking for more bread, and Janice said, that's it. You're going to baking school, and we're opening a bakery. <laughs> Before the bakery, it was basically, it was kind of like, a you know, have you heard of Great Harvest yeah. chain? Um, so we had that like Great Harvest in Anchorage, and that was pretty much... Is as good as it got. So Jerry wanted um, more of a artisan bread um, uh, bakery, and they had just taken a trip down to Arkansas, and there was a really good bakery with a line down the street. And he said, "Well, if they can do it in Arkansas, we can do it in, in Anchorage." Right. Um, so yeah, right. He went, I mean, people like good food everywhere. Yeah, he went to the San Francisco Baking Institute, um, did that program, uh, came back. Uh, Janice uh, rented out their house to pay for it. And um, she lived in their little cabin in the back. And um, while he was down there, she was scoping out uh, places to, to open a bakery. When they got back, they did. And it was just uh, the two of them and their uh, daughter and, um, and her boyfriend at the time, who's now her husband and one of our general managers. So they, they did it. That's yeah. cool. And now you guys are running three shops. Three shops, yeah. I joined. And you bake in each shop, or do you bake in like a central commissary? No, we bake in each shop. We have two of the shops have have uh, deck ovens, and we we deliver bread to one of the shops. But um, you know, we we do cakes and, and cookies and uh, pastries, all three, and try and really, it's really important that all the kitchens are open. It's really important that that. When you go in any of the bakeries, you get the vibe, you get to watch people work, and you get all the smells. Nice. Now, you were nominated for James Beard Award, mm-hmm. um, but I, as I understand it, you had no idea. No. That it was <laughs> even, like, on the radar. Right, right. Um, yeah, I remember there was um, there was someone kind of digging around, um, asking about my, my background and my history, and I asked my, my friend... And who's in South Carolina, and she's kind of hip to that whole thing. What's she want? What's she doing? 
and we dug around and we said, well, it's not James Beard because that it's the deadline's passed. But it ended up being James Beard. Huh. So. Awesome. That's, yeah. That's really cool. It was a pleasant surprise that morning when I got to work. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually, and, and got it the same year for her distillery in Charleston. Nice. And we went to high school together and she, she texted me and said, what are the odds we would both make it the same right. year? And I said, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> she sent me a, a little link on my phone. She said, you idiot. Like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did that translate into more traffic at the bakery? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. A lot more, um, a lot more touristy traffic as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I imagine like even though Anchorage is in fact like an established city, so much of Alaska's you know sort of uh, uh, a lot of large economic driver is tourism. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, people come in the summer. Absolutely, right? that's the big time people go. We've got a great. Uh, local following um the bakeries are all embedded in like walkable neighborhoods so it's very much we see the same faces every day and um throughout the winter and summer and it you know they have to put up a little bit longer lines in the summer yeah we try to you know hey man you know let me get you what you need get you out of here (laughs) yeah for the regulars (laughs) yeah (laughs) now um i mean are you working uh naturally leavened Mm mm-hmm and it's, is it all yeast that you've captured in Alaska, or do you have sourdough starters that you've gotten from other places that you're yeah, using? Yeah, Jerry started it uh, in his kitchen. Cool. Um, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's about 12 years old now. That's awesome. Um, uh, we have a mill, so we mill a lot of flour. Um, we actually have, uh, within the past five years, um, there's a farmer who is growing wheat up in, uh, in Palmer, Alaska, which is about 45 minutes away from Anchorage. He's growing wheat and rye, um, and we're working out the kinks, and you know it's 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 wet up there in the summer, so sure. it's it's hard to get that wheat to, to dry out enough to. So he's he's finding grain dryers, and oh, wow. um, he's also a really big potato farmer, and so trying to figure out how to store wheat and potatoes in the same building with their oh, their moisture needs sure. is is tough. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we're working oh, on that. That's amazing. So you'll have a fully local loaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, and you do both. Uh, you do both savory and sweet in the bakeries, right? Yeah, we do. Um, so you know, sandwiches and soups and salads, um, and then focaccias and things like that. Got it. And you also do classes. We do a lot of classes. Um, um, the sourdough bread class is the most popular one. Um, so you get to take some of the sourdough home. So, like, are there little pieces of your uh, of Jerry's sourdough, like all? Oh over yeah, the country? yeah. And we've been giving that away for years sure. because you know you have to make more than you need. Yeah, of course. Like anyone that comes in the bakery gets free. And they want it. They can have free yeah, starter. I mean, I mean, I, I I love that. I mean, as a you know, as someone who's done a lot of fermentation, and you know, I mean, I wrote a book about vinegar. So like the mm-hmm. the, the fact that it's very poetic. You give someone a piece of your mother. Yeah. Right. You give someone your you know people starters have names. I don't know if the starter in the bakery has a name. It doesn't. Uh, you know. People no, are, are, you know, passing these things on, and I, I absolutely love that. My son is allergic to wheat, and so I sort of stopped all of my sourdough, like mm-hmm. all my bread and baking stuff, uh, a number of years ago when we found out he was allergic to wheat. Wow. I just don't have the time for it. So. Yeah. I tell the people in the class, too, I mean, take this home, and, and you know, this is how you, you maintain it at home with a normal person's demanding schedule. Um Right when you're not baking every day. Right, and 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 you know that's it's not you're not going to have a strong starter like we are. You're just not, right. unless you feed it twice a day like we do. And I just tell them like, look, if you're going to just bake on the weekends and just come in on Friday and get a scoop of the good stuff, right? Like because right. you guys always have it anyway. So right, the to make it. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, they they usually just do that. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, Alaska always seems to me to be a place that, I mean, obviously it's physically large. Um, and, you know, like stuff seems really big there, right? Like hunting, you, like caribou, mm-hmm. fish, like there's grouper. I mean, like it's, it's this whole thing where I feel like everything is really is really big there. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, you know, is, is that actually, is that true? Or is it just my perception of like what I see on social media? No, it, it really is. Um, I went to... I got to go on a caribou hunt with a friend, um, and um, I got a caribou, and then you go, and you can't possibly pick the caribou up and, and shrug it. Right. I mean, they're enormous. So you, so you have to field dress it, and, <laughs> yeah. um, and essentially uh, put them into, like, game bags so the flies can't get on, um, spray it down with, like, uh, acidic um, spray on the bag so the flies uh, stay away. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, until you can, you know, pack it out and get, because you're in the middle of nowhere, get it back home to refrigeration. Um, the halibut are absolutely enormous. Um, I got to go on a, on a fishing trip with a buddy and, um, yeah, three, like 60 pound halibut and we're still eating halibut from last summer. Right. right. You know, we've, yeah. we're, it, we've like timed it. We're going to run out like. Just in time to go back fishing again. That's awesome. I mean, that's what I try to do with my with my friend Salmon. Right. Yeah. You know, he always gives me a CSA <laughs> share every year, and I always try and time it. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, the CSA share is coming again in like end of September. So how many fillets are in the freezer? That means I can have one this week, and I can have <laughs> one in a couple weeks. I can try to figure it out. <laughs> right. Right. It's. I mean, it's 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 dangerous. It's humbling. It's um, you know to go hiking is is a risk. Um, sure. They're bears. They're really big moose that are really ornery sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, raising kids there is always, um, you're always thinking about those those things, especially after kids. Like, but the opportunity okay. to be so close to nature in a way that, like, you know, I mean, I love going hiking, right? I mean, I'm taking my kids camping with the Cub Scouts tonight. Uh, yeah. You know, but we're going to the Cub Scout camp in Alpine, New Jersey, that is like an exit off the Palisades Parkway, mm-hmm. which is great that it's so accessible from the city, but it's like wilderness light. Right. In a way. Yeah. Um, because it's in an area which has been so popular, you know, probably part of where we're going to be hiking is probably second growth forest that was a farm at some point right in the Uh 18th or 19th century and so we're not in this position of like these giant old real embedded wilderness that has been wild for so long yeah yeah the 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 bears aren't you know they're not used to to a lot of people yet i guess um yeah they haven't been bred bred like that um uh my co-worker at the bakery with her husband were in their tent uh in a in a like near a town you know and uh, a black bear actually fell out of a tree on top of their tent and landed on them <laughs> in the middle of the night. Oh, God. Everybody was surprised. And then just kind of like looked annoyed and just kind of yeah. like lumbered off. <laughs> <laughs> but you hear stuff like that all the time. It's, it's really, really crazy. That, I mean, God, that is, uh, yeah, that is, that is totally crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, having been up there now for for ten years, um, do you see yourself moving back to lower forty eight at any point? You know, we we think about it a lot. Um, we have no family up there, which is tough when you're when you got kids. You know, um, so constantly looking for opportunities, but also we just you know we love the people that we work for, and and they're incredibly generous people. Um, 
So if I did ever find an opportunity, I think it would be really, really tough to leave those guys. It sounds like it. And are there plans for expansion with the bakery? Um, like, do you guys have plans to open a fourth location, a fifth location? We would love to never open another location. <laughs> I think we're the 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 latest one is about a year old, and um, uh, we are about to start a little bit of a, a wood fired pizza um, operation that is going to be inside of a, a really great brewery right next to us um, called Anchorage Brewing Company. We share a parking lot, and we do a lot of collaborating. And um, he doesn't have a kitchen. He decided to just go purchase um, a really nice wood-fired oven and just kind of dangle it in front of us. <laughs> right, he knew. He Say, knew hey, he had bakers, your, yeah. you want to you make some pizza? He had your number. He so, yeah, now he's he's put it inside the, the brewery, um, piped it out the wall. So the, the tanks are right here, the oven's right here, and the tasting room's here, and people can just mill about the entire brewery. It's really, really fun. So, actually, they're going to start that this weekend long gone, so I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> it sounds like you've got a pretty good team. It sounds like they'll probably... Uh, a great team. Probably. A great team of people probably, yeah. that, that really stay around for, you know, we have a lot of bakers who have been there for, for, for six years yeah. and um, don't seem to plan on going anywhere. So, we need to keep giving, growing opportunities for them. Is there any type of bread that you've tried to do up there that just hasn't worked out due to like climate and like weather? Nope. Everything, I mean, we're at sea level, so we don't have that obstacle. Um, the ovens heat up the, the building nicely. Sure. So, I mean... Cold isn't an issue. Yeah. In modern times, we, we have thermostat to keep it perfect, right. like 78 <laughs> degrees. And yeah, no, we, the bread comes out really great up there. And is there ever any issue with getting any materials? I mean, either sure. machinery or ingredients? Absolutely. Um, we uh, have our own uh, freight forwarder out of Washington. So um, a lot of times people just don't ship to Alaska. So we have them ship it to Fife, Washington. It uh, goes on a barge. And then nine days later, it's at our door. So specialty ingredients, um, or you have to really be good at planning and, and, and figuring out, like, Okay, I'm going to run out of this in, in 11 days. I need to get more now. Um, right, whereas in New York, you run out of it at 11 o'clock at night. You text your guy, and it shows up the next morning. God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, majorly jealous on that one. Um, but yeah. kudos to you for being able to, you know, to really be, like, for you guys to be able to operate in that way. Because I think that so much of the, the restaurant and bakery business... Uh, certainly in a metropolis like New York operates on that very fine like oh we just you know we just ran out we had like more people ordered this dish mm -hmm. than we were expecting and we need more of that tomorrow and like for the most part you can usually get it right it is. right might and, cost you extra but you can get it yeah luckily you know grain you can order pallets of it at a time and, yeah. and uh, it's not going bad right so very cool um, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Today. Yeah. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Um, where can people find more information about you and the bakery and your band online? Um, uh, fireislandbread.com will take you to the bakery. Um, supersaturatedsugarstrings.com will take you to the band. And uh, yeah. anybody who's listening who's in Wyoming and Montana, you guys will be touring in the fall? Yeah, we'll be in, um, in, in Cody, Wyoming. And um, and then a few other spots that I can't think of right now, but on our website, uh, you can find our, our, our next schedule for that. 
And one other thing that we do with with um, with music is um, we've started to tie in food and music together. So when we go on tour, um, we try and, and and line out like a um, a pop up with the venue that we're going to play at. Um, Very cool. So in in um, Cody, we're gonna. Um, we're going to play at this performing arts center there, but the night before we're going to do, um, a dinner for like the, the, uh, patrons of the, of the center, um, and do a little house show, but also take some, uh, Alaska, uh, Alaskan fish with us and, cool. and, uh, do some appetizers for them. Are the other members of the band also in food and beverage? No, just me. Just you. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, they're very helpful, you know. They're they're very helpful. They love to um, to cook, and then they also just will do all the setup for the for the gear and for the performance. Yeah. Why? Why go cook? Why you cook? Yeah. Well, and, and that's how I like it. And you know? I'm sure it's great for them to have you along because then they're probably eating much better. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah. I mean, like definitely, like in my in my 20s. I mean, the way tours work out, it's like lots of gas station like burritos. And, mm-hmm. Like just no, we we all um, we eat way better than we than we should because we can't afford to eat that well. But we just do because it's just our priority. Sure. Um, so a lot of times we're barreling down the road in an RV. There's two kids strapped into car seats. Um, and you know, there's biscuits in the oven. <laughs> right. Cause you can do that on the road. Yeah, the absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> Super cool. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Carl. Oh man. Thanks so much for having me. Really totally. appreciate it. Thanks for listening to feast your ears today. You can find feast your ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritage radio network.org on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to rate and review the show and please reach out to me. If you have any questions, you can reach me via email harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com and you can follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.